Hey all, it's Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you about our good friends over at Burgermaster. If you know anything about me, I crave burgers in my sleep. I do not mess around. Started in 1952, Burgermaster is the best burger chain in Washington State. They have locations all over the Puget Sound in Aurora, Bellevue, Everett, Mill Creek University, and Mount Vernon. Their fresh ingredients and classic driving experience make them the greatest burger chain in the state of Washington. Stop by Burgermaster on your way home from a Seahawks game. You won't regret it. Hey everybody, it's Brian. Thanks for tuning in. If you're ready to buy or sell a home in Pierce, South King, or Snohomish County, please check out John Hurlbutt and his team over at Altitude Homes. John's an old friend and someone I know you can trust. He will also donate $500 to Ben's Fund for every closed transaction. I know how hard it is to find a real estate agent who has your best interests in mind. John can be that guy for you and benefit a great cause to boot. Check them out on the web at altitude-re.com slash hb. Again, altitude-re.com slash hb. Or give them a call at 253-222-2626. That's 253-222-2626. Go Hawks! Hey all, Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you guys about our good friend Blake Johnson of ManifestFit.com. Football season is quickly approaching, and it is a struggle to stay in shape while eating burgers and nachos. ManifestFit.com is your one only true online personal training service with workout and nutrition programs specifically based on your needs. They work with clients all over the U.S., and what makes Blake and ManifestFit.com so unique is that they don't believe training should be a luxury item. Now's the time to start. Head over to ManifestFit.com. Click on how to join and fill out the form. Their team will get back to you ASAP and help you start building a healthier, happier, louder Seahawks fan life. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 159th episode of Real Hawk Talk. I am Brian Nemhauser, and uh, looking forward to having the conversation tonight about what will be the final preseason game. Just three, just three this year uh, for the Seattle Seahawks, uh, playing uh, against the Chargers at home. And I'll be going to this game. I did not go to this game last weekend, and thank God I did not. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about this game this past weekend, and we'll talk a little bit more about the game coming up, but there's a bunch of other stuff that's gone on this week that is going to make this a very, very busy hour ahead of us. Uh, before we get into all that, uh, please go ahead and click the like button. I mean, before we even started the show, there's some comedians out there already hitting the, the thumbs down button. Come on. Like, there's got to be 49ers fans. So... Please go, takes a second, click the thumbs up. Um, if you haven't already subscribed to the channel, we're trying to get up to 10,000 subscribers this uh, this season. That should be an easy goal. Um, click subscribe, click the bell to get notified when we go live. Because there's a bunch of stuff happening. Seahawks are making trades. It's toward the end, toward the 53-man roster. All sorts of stuff could happen. You want to know when we go live because we will say both ridiculous things, but also very prescient and accurate things. So if you want to... <laughs> Be here for all of it. Uh, some of the people that will have that expertise to share are with me tonight. Uh, let's start with Dana O'Gorman at Dana OG on Twitter. Dana, you were a late addition to the roster tonight. We weren't sure we were going to have you. It's it's great to see you. Thanks. Yeah, um, 
I, as most people know now, I work at a hospital and we are very short staffed. And so therefore I was going to stay late, but they let me go a little early. It was a little bit better tonight. So I could come and keep, you know, Jeff and Evan in check. You're not going to retire tomorrow, are you? Maybe it's possible. <laughs> oh, poor Luke. Life. Let's talk about Luca when we get a chance. I would love to talk about sweet Luke. <laughs> um, you heard him already because he can never control himself. Uh, <laughs> nope. That was Evan Hill at Evan Hill HB on Twitter. And for those that are listening to the show and not watching, <clears throat> he's wearing a Peloton t-shirt, <laughs> which strikes me as a very odd advertisement for Peloton. I don't know that Peloton would approve of you representing their brand. Uh, is it a negative product review because it, it, I'm showing that it doesn't work? Is that, is that what I'm doing? questions about whether they'd be like, oh. <laughs> this shirt's so comfortable though. I will say that. Oh, it's so comfortable. It was, so I referred, so I, my parents got a Peloton and if you like refer people, you get like a hundred dollars in like store credit or something like that. And of course this shirt was like 85 of the $100. What? Yeah, it, was what? it was completely <laughs> ridiculous. T-shirt. It, I know oh it's completely God. ridiculous, but it's, it's a comfortable t-shirt. For 85 bucks, it better be for God's sake. You know, that statement alone just calls into question whatever you're going to say the rest of this podcast. I just don't know that people can trust your judgment uh, after you admitted paying $85 for a t-shirt. But um, no, it's awesome to have you, Evan. Uh, and Jeff Simmons, at Real Jeff Simmons on Twitter, what's been happening up, up there your way for, for this past week? Anything exciting we should know about? Uh, we're all upset about our uh, fellow Canadian blasting one day with the Seahawks. So we're, <laughs> we can't, we can't catch a break. So no, everything's pretty good. Uh, we're, oh, I'm excited for football to start. I know. I know. Right. Are, are you going to get out to Seattle? You think, I know like with all the travel stuff, it's hard to say, do you think there's a chance you're coming out for some road games maybe, right? I'm hoping to, it's just, everything keeps changing. We're still, our border's still a little weird, but coming back into Canada from the States, man, the COVID numbers keep going up and down. I'm still fine. I'm hoping to get out to Arizona. Jeff, <laughs> would you consider Lambeau? Because, because I'm thinking about adding that as like one of my away games or maybe my main away game to visit. I consider that. Yeah. Have you ever been, Evan? I no. Have. No, and that's kind of like the reason. Um, so I've heard, cool. yeah, I've, I just, it's legendary, right? Yeah. Lambo's legendary, like if you're just a football fan in general. So I know it's like smack dab, like in the middle of nowhere, kind of, right? And it's just like in a neighborhood or something. Yeah, it's a little yeah. bit of a pain to get there. You got to fly into generally Milwaukee and then drive a few hours. Mm -hmm. um, but I know you're a big Laverne and, and Shirley fan, so you can do a little Milwaukee uh, <laughs> trivia, a little. little <laughs> It, yeah, on it, knows. it sounds like one of those things, guys, that I have to just like check off the list. Yeah. It, it, you should it, it, just it really come is. to Houston with the rest of us, but that's fine. Go ahead. Well, hold up. I didn't say, I didn't say either or I, oh, I said, I, I said both. Yeah. Evan's going to every game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Jeff, we I, should talk about that later though. Yeah. I, I'm really, I wasn't sure I was going to go to this preseason game. I, don't, I haven't been going to as many preseason games the last few years. But the way that this preseason has gone, folks, like, 
I feel like I need to watch real football as soon as possible. When we heard confirmation that they're going to actually play some starters, this feels like a little bit more like a real game than than we're, certainly than the last preseason game ever has been in past years. What what do you like, Evan? What are you expecting that game to look like? Not how they're going to play, but like how are they going to? Who are they going to play um, in that game? Yeah, that's a really good question because I didn't even watch game two. I like <laughs> after game one, I was like. Yeah, they're not they're not earning my viewership for game two. Um, I I don't know. I I my my main concern is like as long as Dwayne Brown is out, like Russell should not be playing a single snap un, until that situation is resolved. Um, I'd like to see Dwayne S or how do we refer, refer to him? D. Is it it's D now? D D. I, I, that's actually D. a lot yeah. easier. Brian okay. Brian talked to him. Yeah, I'm cool with that. So I'm most curious to see D actually. Um, you know, he's been, I think there was a report that came out today that he's been running the past few days and had a big, had a big day today in practice. Um, mm-hmm. obviously Seattle's, uh, you know, top picks in the past have not performed well at all, actually in any years. And it would be nice to have a really capable wide receiver three. So he's who I think I'll, I'll be keeping my eye, eye on the most if he plays. Yeah. Dana, did you, did you watch any of the game? This no, I didn't watch. And that's terrible. And I feel bad. I should have watched it. I, I really didn't think I was going to be on tonight. So I, I usually would have previewed it before I came on. So I apologize for that. But um, I was in Minneapolis for, you know, the dreaded soccer games that night. <laughs> but we went up to Minneapolis for a weekend, spent the week up there, went up to a sporting match and they played um, MNUFC, but there was a Vikings preseason game. So there were Vikings fans everywhere. And um, that was really fun. But um, the, the practice today made me a little more excited for this game this weekend too, from what it sounds like. Um, I, I still don't know that Russell Wilson will play more than a snap or two, because honestly, the, the coaches are thinking, smart they're thinking like evan they, they don't want to put a, like a rookie in front of him you know we're not did you just say the coaches are thinking smart like evan i know I, I, I said, somebody clip no, that please somebody I, I clip said, that hopefully they're thinking like evan is thinking which is smart in this one situation you will never get credit for clip me again, that ever. please <laughs> somebody please clip that i need it there are so many flaws in that I know. but my I, here's my thing i i don't think that he'll play much um you know, I just, I, I would be surprised if they even did a quarter. Do you know what I mean? Of any, really of the starters. I know they played a few more this last weekend. Um, but the practice today gave me a lot of encouragement for, for many reasons. <laughs> I already guys, I told you guys, but, but I guess, um, uh, D Eskridge is how he's going by now. Um, he looked really good today and caught a beautiful pass from Russell, a nice long one. So, so that's, that's exciting, right? That's what we wanted. It was a decent wide receiver. Dana, can I ask you a question on this? I'm around a specific player. As as long, as long as it doesn't include you being smart, then yes. No, it's like an actual genuine serious question. (laughs) Just kidding. Um, Okay. Does Rashad Penny need to play this weekend to earn a roster spot? Hmm. I have to say, I don't think that's yes. an outlandish question. I that's really not don't. a crazy question. It's not. I don't know that Alex Collins, Alex Collins has played well. I don't know that he's played enough to boot Penny, but if they could trade him and get something, I could see maybe that happening. But it really seems um, that DJ, no, what's his name? Is it DJ? 
DJ Dallas. Yes, DJ Dallas. Um, I want to call him CJ because Lamb came out the same year he did, and I get their names. I apologize. But, yeah, um, I, I think that he's played pretty well in preseason. From what I've read, at least, he's looked pretty decent and had a few nice plays. And so, you know, he might be making that second-year jump that sometimes rookies do. Um, but I don't know that, that – Sorry to interrupt, Dana. Finish your no, point. I was just going to say, I just don't know that Penny's healthy enough to play this week. This weekend. I don't know that he's there yet. He should be healthy enough to play. But, oh, good. But, but see, what's happening, Dana, is Evan's trying to co- compensate for being so pro Penny early on that. What are you talking about? Like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Penny's going to make the roster. Like, <laughs> so he's trying to Nathan me. I get it. Okay, whatever. <laughs> I got a fire pit recently for certain reasons. Huh. And uh, we may have to have a ceremonial. Event. Oh, don't do it. Don't I know you're a Brian. I know you're not a fan of burning jerseys, especially publicly on the Hawk blogger platform, yes. but we might have to make an exception. No, why? What's the kid ever do to you other than not be an NFL player? He almost Come caused on. Evan to get a tattoo of him. <laughs> you know, I, I, I don't, I don't think Penny's in, in danger from getting cut perspective. There is the potential. Yeah. This is where we're already seeing it happen. So let's talk about it. We're seeing players start to get traded. And uh, I think there is the potential that some team may see a former first round running back. uh, And if he gets in a game and looks good, that they give him enough value that they might think about it. Seems like definitely not likely, but Mm -hmm. definitely it's possible. I think Penny is, again, I still think Penny's a really good fit for this offense. DJ Dallas, as much as uh, I think we all like the way he's playing, kid's still not a good pass protector, and he wasn't last year. I know that the reputation coming out of college was that he's a really good pass protector, but he has not shown that yet. And Alex Collins, I think, still looks like a guy that they might just keep around but not feel like they have to put on the roster. Um, And then beware, everybody. Pete Carroll's talking about Travis Homer, like, he loves the kid and specifically said he's a great pass protector. So I think people should be prepared for some disappointment in terms of what the running back position looks like. And um, I don't think it's the worst thing if it's Rashad Penny and Chris Carson as your top two, but Mm -mm. um, I mean, let's start here with the actual trades that have gone down. One of them we'll talk about that is two of the Seahawks. One of them we'll talk about is not involving the Seahawks. So the first is the Seahawks traded a seventh round pick, which you assume is conditional uh, for John Reed, cornerback. Five foot 10, has played uh, nickel corner last year for Houston, but has been playing outside corner during the preseason. Also played that in college, I think at Penn State, if I'm right. I'm not sure. So um, yeah. The reason that Pete Carroll said they made the move was really curious as well. He said they made the move because Trey Brown has been hobbled with a knee injury the last few practices. That doesn't make a lot of sense to me. So um, let's, let's start with you, Jeff. What did you make of the move? Is it a, a significant move? Is this the next Justin Coleman, the next DJ Reed claimed off of waivers? Or is it just a nothing burger? It's hard to say that a guy who's about to get cut from the worst roster in the NFL is the next 
Justin Coleman or the highest paid slot cornerback last year. I think it's just a I think it's a flyer. It's a lottery ticket. And we all know what the state of the cornerback position is right now. They have to take lottery tickets. They have to try something. And I know we disagreed in our chat about what they can do, but you're, it's not, you're not going to find an outside cornerback at this time of the year that can come in and start. It's unfortunate. There's obviously one that we all would love for them to sign, but that might not be realistic. But I think they're just taking a chance on a guy they probably liked. They have some inside information on him. One of their assistant special teams coaches coached him in Houston. Mm -hmm. They liked him in the draft. But to come in and say he's going to be DJ Reed and come off the street and start and be their best corner, that would be crazy. But I agree. I thought their response was pretty curious. It's unfortunate because Trey Brown was probably the guy a lot of us were most excited about. It sounds like Witherspoon has had better practices this week. I know Brady Henderson – Jed him out the last two days. Apparently, he's made a lot better plays, but we haven't seen that in the game. In the games, he's looked relatively terrible. He looks like a guy who can't play. So, I think they're just adding a body there. They need something at this point. Again, it's a position that you're not going to find guys who come in and play outside corner off the street. So, take a flyer. It's a conditional seventh rounder. If you have to make the team, you lose nothing. Yeah, it was a fourth round pick, uh, Dana, um, for Houston. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, like my read of like, so the the alarm bells went off for me when Pete Carroll said that about Trey Brown, because one, either that means Trey Brown's injury is more serious than we know. Two, mm-hmm. maybe the DJ Reed injury is more serious, although I think I heard he's back this week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's back. He was back. Okay. Mm-hmm. So... If let's say for a second the Trey Brown injury is like legitimately the reason, mm-hmm. help me. Like, can you connect those dots at all? I mean, they still have Trey Flowers, they still have Witherspoon, um, they still have one well, Marquise Blair, I think, has come back and is starting yeah, practice. Right? Mm-hmm. So, why would they need to trade for a corner? Well, I mean, it's barely a trade, right? Let's keep that kind of in mind, right? Like, it's not like they actually gave up real capital here. It's a conditional seventh rounder, right? And so this was a kid who was going to get cut and they're like, well, we'll throw this at you just so that we don't have to go through waivers. I don't really think he would have been picked up by anyone else. But at this time in camp, you never know, right? Like there might be teams out there. The, the thing that drives me most crazy about Pete Carroll, and there's not a lot of things, you know, I'm a Pete Carroll fan, but one of the things is his constant downplaying of injuries. I, I know that's their job and I know that's, you know, they're not supposed to like give any information away, but if the injury is bad enough to, that you need to bring someone else in, even if it's just for the third preseason game, I mean, that's all they want him for, then maybe they need to be a little more, um, uh, you know, truthful about that. I don't know, but of course that's not their job, but apparently he looked really good in practice today. He was the corner. He broke a, um, a pass. It was, it would have been a touchdown pass between Russell and DK and he broke it up today. Um, the other thing I'll say is Houston players tend to have done well in Seattle in the past. And now granted they were the Dwayne Browns and then some of these other bigger names, but at the same time, you know, maybe their scheme is, is similar enough that he could do well, or maybe they just want to plop him on, you know, somewhere down on the roster. I don't know. I would think there must be some, like you said, insider information about this kid that makes them want him. Nor- 
Or they saw him in the draft. He's stuck in their brain. And he's like, oh, we could have had that kid. You know how they get sometimes. Um, but the point is this. Is he the cornerback I would have picked? No. Everyone knows the cornerback I would have picked. I realize that's probably not the smartest thing right now. But there are some other options out there. They would just cost more. So this was a very cheap body to put on the team to just see what will happen. Evan, uh, like, what color flag are we talking about here with the cornerback position for the Seahawks? Is this a yellow Like just flag? in general or yeah, a relation to general. this move? Forget read just the general situation. Are, are, are we like, a, we flashing red here? It's yellow pending red for me. Like I, I it's really. Orange. It's an orange flag. <laughs> yeah. Like I really. It's weird because at the same time, this is like a boomer bus sort of position group. I could, I could see happening. Like. A lot rides on Witherspoon, a lot. Um, he was their main cornerback acquisition, you know, this offseason outside of Desir, who's cut. So who are your starting corners if Witherspoon isn't good? It's DJ Reed and Trey Flowers. Guys, that's not good. Like, I like DJ Reed, mm-hmm. but that's not good. And, and if one of those guys, I, I know Jeff, you kind of you push back on this slightly, but like, if one of those guys goes down, like you're starting to get really thin in names and I don't even like their starters. This is, I hate to be this negative about a position group, like, and they haven't even played a snap so they could easily prove me wrong, you know, in the regular season, but center and quarterback are real, real question marks mm-hmm. on this team that could be the downfall of this team later in the season. Like, like fast forward to the yeah. playoffs. Like, could you see this team secondary just getting burned and being something that ends a playoff drive? Like this is the, a, a lot of like how, yeah, I was going to say it looks a lot like the defensive end position last year. The one that drove us all crazy. The building of the group, the depth being okay, but, when I say the depth is fine, that's I just that's not what's going to make the group good or bad. The frontline players don't look good. So, yeah, I think I think it's flashing red. I mean, let's be really clear: the guy that we're counting on being the best corner of this group hasn't played a snap in the preseason; has been injured the whole time. Was a waiver claim last year who came on and played really well. I think we all really like DJ mm-hmm. Reed. But to say that he's just a made man and now we can just count on him being a shutdown corner, I think it's like saying a lot if that's the guy you're counting on. And Trey Flowers, we all know, although I thought he played really well last game and apparently so did Pro Football Focus. Um, I don't think Witherspoon's looked like he's ready to play. He, he does not look – I mean, he looked – he looks like a big play waiting to happen. Um, mm-hmm. His coverage has not been great. And so I'm, I'm like, man, what do we need to do? The, like, for example, the Jaguars. Uh, is it DJ Henderson? Is that CJ? DJ Henderson. <laughs> so former first round pick, they've supposedly been like floating him out there because they've got a, a surplus at that position. I'm interested. Like, 
go go figure out maybe you have an extra defensive end or uh an extra you know an extra running back they just lose a running back for the season right right so so i think that's that's i i agree with you jeff it's very much like the defensive end position last year and what did they do last year they made a mid-season trade for Carlos Dunlap because they realized like what they were doing wasn't going to cut it. And I hope that I would rather than make the move before a few games into the mm-hmm. season than, yeah. than wait until, you know, we're already in the middle of it. Where's, where's your head on that? Yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree more. Well, let's go week two. Seahawks are playing Julio Jones and AJ Brown. Who's covering those guys. So Jamal Adams. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Like DJ Reed is no, probably. No, seriously, I'm being sarcastic. DJ Reed's probably their best corner, and we haven't seen him play a game. So I, under, I am very uncomfortable with the state of the cornerback position. It, it's just so unfortunate because, obviously, a, a lot of stuff has happened off the field. But this would be a perfect situation if you purely looked at football for Richard Sherman to walk right in. I, I doubt it's going to happen. There's too many things going on. But man, he fills he would fill the left cornerback spot. They have enough to fill the right cornerback spot. But I, I guess I'm just I think it's a pipe dream at this point. So if they can make a move now, I know Stefan Gilmore, his situation is still unresolved. Xavier Howard, that situation did get resolved, so that's off the table. But again, other than that, it's not like finding a defensive end. Who's trading a day one starting corner unless you're starting CJ Henderson? So I'm with you. Like so much to me banks on Witherspoon because Flowers can play in a pinch. We've seen it before, but we know, I think we know what he is. I think he's the kind of guy who's always around the ball, but can't make a play on the ball. And he'll can have good and bad games, but like he's corrupt. Like, I don't know if you saw Shaquille Griffin play the other day. He got burned on two long touchdowns. So <laughs> and Witherspoon looks worse than him. So it's a very precarious situation right now. Yeah. I'm glad you brought up Shaquille Griffin for a second. Like, there's, there's some fans are probably like, man, I knew we should have signed Shaquille Griffin. I'm like, there's no part of me that is regretting that decision at all. I know where you guys are all, but like, I would be even more frustrated to watch Shaquille Griffin, who would be under a contract for four years and a ton of money playing marginally better than some of these guys. Like, I'm glad, I'm still glad they let him go. I just, uh, it's, it's ironic. I mean, this was cornerback you like, this was like, no team in the NFL had a better cornerback room for many years than Pete Carroll's Seattle Seahawks. And they just kept coming. They kept coming. They kept coming. And then the cupboards kind of run bare. So Mm -hmm. it's, it's, uh, it's troubling. It's troubling. And I think it's, it's, we're focused on the weakest position, but one of the things that's shown, I think pretty strong and can help a cornerback group is the defensive line and the pass Mm -hmm. rush group. And so there was other news this week, folks, that, the Seahawks brought in Carlos Dunlap's old buddy from Cincinnati, Geno Atkins, for a visit. And from all reports, it sounds like the visit went really well. They were checking him out health-wise because he had, was it a uh, new shoulder surgery? Yeah. yeah, or maybe it was a rotator cuff. I think it was rotator cuff. Um, but anyway, some shoulder-related injury uh, affected him last year, and um I don't know. I was kind of curious how he fits into what the Seahawks are going to do. And uh, Dana, I don't know if you had any time to think about this or Jeff, if, if you did, but you know, I'm curious, 
What do you guys think, make of the Geno Atkins story? Um, I, I can jump on this. My first indication at Brian, I think you had the same impression in our chat, was I think they aren't getting enough out of LJ Collier out of that interior three technique spot because Brian, you went, you went through the group pretty well. I think it was on Twitter in our prep in our chat where it seems pretty obvious where the rest of the defensive line looks. They have like the nose tackles. They have Al Woods and Monet who both are seem to fit in very well in their role. They have Puna Ford and they have their big defensive ends. So Atkins is more, he's probably one of the best three techniques of the last decade in terms of just rushing up the field. And he fits in very clearly as that three technique. And that's a spot where they have Puna, but then in terms of like the third down rush, that spot was going to be either Rasheem Green, LJ Collier, maybe Robert M. Diche, and he hasn't been able to practice much. So either that means, I think Dana mentioned this too, I think that mentioned that Robert might not make the team, maybe he's not healthy enough to make the team, or that they're trying to trade Rasheem Green. They've been pushing his name a lot. Maybe that's a cornerback kind of move. Or number three is that Collier might not factor in other than being a base five technique end. What, one thing we have to keep in mind too is Geno Ekins is only 33 years old. Th this to me feels very much like, not exactly, but you guys will understand my meaning, the whole, you know, Cliff Averill move, the whole, you know, that, like they pulled in this guy who's already in his prime, maybe right, you know, on the edge there and to see what he can do. Now, I'm not saying that Gino Atkins is Cliff Averill. Don't come at me like that. But um, he, he's, fan, he's a fantastic player, right? Like, we, we already know that. And I think that he would fit in. Um, it also makes you wonder how much conversations he has had with his ex-teammates that's appeared to. That, that's really interesting to me. But here's the thing. They let him leave. And that, that makes me take a minute. They said that most of the day was spent in medical and that he did fine and well and that he looked strong and he looked great but they let him walk out the door I think if you're truly going after someone you don't let them walk out the door so they almost seem to be hedging their bets a little bit right like they're not quite sure what they're going to do what their next move is now granted I know the whole vet minimum not guaranteed blah blah so blah that, I get that's all what I was that. gonna say See, but Schneider if you, loves that sign a player after week one thing. he does and he almost but, gets a little too cute with it because if you really want a guy, like you said, you're it's pretty silly to do that just to not pay the guy for the season. But mm -hmm. I can see him taking a look and then signing him week two if he's available. Someone could get hurt in game three, he's gone in a minute, guys. Right? I think, I mean. guys, I think in less than 48 hours, Gino is a Seahawk. Why do you think that? Really, yeah, I, I, him and Carlos are buddies. I, I, I think it's just a natural fit here. Um, they can't be that far apart on price. Gino hasn't visited anywhere else that I'm aware of. He's obviously mm -hmm. older on the tail end of his career. What's he going to go to freaking like Minnesota or something? Like, come on, come on. He's going to go where his buddy is. He's going to go to a contender. So I, I, I think um, they can't be that far away on price. I, I think they'll get it done. Well, they certainly have money. Um, mm -hmm. yeah. I don't think it's priced. I, I just didn't get that impression. Yeah, I didn't either. But I mean, I don't know that the Seahawks offered him anything um, was right. kind of the impression I got. But I mean, Evan, let's say that they do sign him. Like, just 
you know, general reaction. I mean, what, how, how important do you think that would be? What impact do you see that having? Yeah. I mean, he's two years, uh, you know, removed from being like a, or one year removed from being like a really impact defensive player. Mm-hmm. And I, re- and if I remember correctly, his last full season, he was plagued with some injuries. So he wasn't fully healthy, but like he had a long successful career with the Bengals, him and Dunlap were studs next to each other. Like, like people forget how good they were together that they had a nasty defensive line up front. Um, Yeah. I mean, it, it makes all sense, all the sense of the world to sign him. If he has any juice Mm -hmm. left, Um, even just as a rotational player, like you can't tell me he's not going to be better than like LJ fucking Collier, like, Come on. Axum effort. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> you keep saying that, Jeff. Is that, did Pete Carroll say that, say that or something? So Brian sent out this clip. The Seahawks posted it. It was like a clip from the beginning of practice. Like, I think the Seahawks tweeted just like maximum effort. And it was like, call your moving, call your moving like half an inch, like the slowest, like speed. Like he like did like an arm rip and it was so slow. Right. It was the most pathetic thing I've ever seen. It was a bad PR. Oh, I know what you're talking about. It would have been anything but that caption. It would have been okay. Like getting (laughs) in some extra work or something, but like, oh my God. Um, Go ahead. So I was just going to say, so Atkins is a, um, he's been selected to the first team, all pro second team, all pro and eight pro bowls. I mean, the guy has, yeah. has a nice pedigree for sure yeah and uh, we all we all saw how good dunlap was i think people forget this atkins was a step up from dunlap on that oh team. for sure yeah he was, a, he was a game wrecker he i don't yeah. think he's that anymore no definitely not i, I think that the, the biggest the, I'll, I'll, I'll just say this was a shock to me I, I i was not expecting them to be looking at uh defensive line additions uh especially defense like yeah it just everyone's like oh they've got extra spots they don't need to to cycle anyone out and like no they do like the seahawks generally don't keep more than three defensive tackles yeah and they've got puna ford and they've got brian monet and they've got al woods and i don't think any of those guys are at risk of not making the team Mm -mm. and so then it's like okay so and and they're not going to get rid of rasheem green and but if they trade rasheem green maybe i mean you've got kim diche who who they've been super high started a fight guys at risk (laughs) You've got LJ Collier, who maybe he's the guy. Um, but then, I mean, you go on and on. Like, there's, it just doesn't make a, a ton of sense to me. I think maybe that Puna Ford might be moving more to a three tech position, and maybe Monet and Woods are the nose tackles. And anyway, so, so I'm just kind of curious how it all shakes out. I'm not sure how Geno Atkin fits in. I'd be excited for them to add him, but I just don't exactly know where he, he gets added. So, that's curious. Can we take a total like detour? Hit it. You, you guys all right? I, I just feel like I, I want to talk about something else. There's all these things we should talk about. People will be pissed that we're not talking about, but I want to talk about position groups in the division. And you guys don't have to have done any research. You just have to have a point of view. Okay. We're going to go through. We've done this for quarterbacks already. Evan immediately leaves. He's like, I'm out of here. Um, <laughs> so we're, we're going to go and we're going to talk about um, different position groups and we're going to rank them one to four across the division. We've already done this with quarterback uh, for folks that remember. Generally, I don't remember all the specifics, but generally, all, I know all of us had the Seahawks as number one. 
Um, we're talking about starters specifically. Um, generally speaking, uh, I think the Rams were two. It was it was kind of between Rams and and um, and Cardinals for two. Most of us had the 49ers as uh, last on the quarterback uh, list. So let's talk about let's talk about defensive line. Okay. Um, it's a larger position group. So I'm going to read to you guys. Um, you guys know the Seahawks defensive line, but I'll, I'll remind you just so you have, have it, uh, these names in your head. Um, and I'm going to be going off of ESPN's depth chart, which all the depth charts are flawed right now. So forgive me if there's someone on the 49ers or the Cardinals or the Rams, that's not accurate. You know, I don't follow it as closely as I follow the Seahawks. So for the Seahawks, you've got Puna Ford, you've got Al Woods. Um, and we're just going to be talking starters, not necessarily the rotational guys. Um, you've got Carlos Dunlap. And then you figure you've got someone like Kerry Hyder um, as your, your, your top four. I do think it's worth talking about some guys that might come in in nickel situations. So add in there uh, Benson Mayo, Alton Robinson, Dale Taylor, right, for the Seahawks. For the for the Cardinals, you've got for their defensive line, you've got JJ Watt, Richard Lawrence. Um, that might turn into Corey Peters, depending. Um, Jordan Phillips, Chandler Jones as your starters. Okay. Um, I think some of it, I mean, Dennis Gardeck, Zach Allen, like there's some other guys that would rotational, but those are the main ones. The Rams defensive line. Aaron Donald, Sebastian Joseph Day, Ashawn Robinson. Uh, they've got Greg Gaines and Eric Banks, you know, ro rotating in. Uh, also, Leonard Floyd plays because they're three four. He's he's part of that as well. So Leonard Floyd should be part of that list. Um, and then finally, the 49ers. You've got uh, Eric Armstead. You've got Javon Kinlaw. You've got DJ Jones, Nick Bosa. Uh, you could say Samson Ebukam, uh, ND Ford as additional people in there. So I know that was a lot of names, but one to four, where, where do you rank the different teams' defensive lines? Um, and Dana, why don't we start with you? Can I just start this with saying that PFF has Seattle's defensive line ranked 29th in the league? Oh, they're going to be so wrong. So I know, wrong. but that's where they have them because that's how they're seen. And I think that's actually a positive for Seattle. Um, to underestimate, anytime you underestimate Seattle, they always seem to kind of come up to the Where top. would you rank I, them I think, league-wide? The defensive line. I would say yeah. middle of the pack. Probably. I would too. Like Just 15 to 18. kind of in the middle. Yeah. Yeah. I Sounds mean, right. And, and, and not, yeah, not top 10, but not, you know. I agree. Bottom 10 either. Okay. I was just yeah. curious. So, um, so I think if I did to rank them, I probably, I want to, I also want to say I have absolutely no faith in JJ Watt staying on the field. So I want to make sure that yeah. that's, that's put out there, but definitely, I think the Rams, San Francisco, Seattle, and then the Cardinals. Okay. The, the, the bottom two are a little tough for me. Anyway, sorry, go ahead. Jeff, how about you? Yeah, I think, again, I think it comes down to the game records. We talk about blue chip players all the time. So 
I think any line that has Aaron Donald is number one for me. I think number two is San Francisco, but Nick Bosa is coming off injury. And Eric Armstead without DeForest Buckner last year was a radically different player. Yeah. yeah. D four is That's back good. there, but they have really good depth on their team. So I would put them two. And then again, I don't think Arizona is that much different than Seattle, but I guess because they have Chandler Jones, I'm much higher on him than Watt. And he's in a contract here, so I would put him three, and I'd put Seattle four. Okay. But Jones wants out of Arizona. Yeah, I still I haven't written off that train. This is his last year there. Yeah, mm-hmm. assume yeah. that he's there. Um, Evan, you weren't there while we read through all the names, but do you do you uh, have? I'm with answer? Jeff. I think Seattle is fourth. I, I think it's the exact order Jeff just said. Uh, Chandler Jones is better than anybody Seattle has on the defensive line, and you could make an argument JJ Watt is too in his current state. So. That's interesting. I, I think I am a huge fan of the type of defensive line the Seahawks have put together, which is just a lot of quality um, that just can rotate through. I think mm-hmm. I think that defensive line is going to overachieve relative to almost anybody's expectations, other than maybe mine. So I even with that, Rams definitely were one for me. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, it's a question of the 49ers or the Seahawks as too, um, in terms of what's going to be Ooh. most productive uh, this season. I really, really like the Seahawks defensive line. I really like it. Um, but I have the 49ers uh, above them because Nick Bosa is, is when he's healthy, um, you know, he's, he's great. And then I've got the Seahawks three and the, the Cardinals four. So Relatively similar. I'm a little higher on the Seahawks, but it's interesting. A, t- a position group that we all feel like is one of the strongest on the Seahawks is still at best, you know, the third uh, in our opinions uh, in the division. Okay. Let's talk about another position group. Let's talk about safeties. Okay. Um, and we're going to go through each again for the Seahawks, you know, Jamal Adams uh, and, and uh, Quandre Diggs, who, by the way, has decided that maybe he wants a new contract. Um, let's take a quick detour on that conversation for a second. Uh, what do we think about Mr. Diggs, who's been in every practice, played in the preseason, or I don't know if he's played the preseason, but he's definitely been at every practice. Now he's holding out. Um, do we think he's going to miss any games? Any, re- any reason to think he would miss any games, Evan? I don't. That's a really good question, actually. Would he miss games? I don't think so, because I believe he has a relatively decent base salary this year. It's like it's six million this year. So he'd be sacrificing 500K a game. And he's not a player that, you know going to have hundreds of millions of dollars in career earnings or you know either even up upper digits below the you know 100 million mark like i think for that base if he had a lower base salary and you know it was more heavy signing bonus on his previous contract that we gave him then that might make sense but i don't think he's going to hold out with 500k on the line per game yeah unless any unless anyone has any specific additions there i i kind of think it's a nothing story so do I. That's what I was going to – you guys know who his agent is, right? I actually don't. Who is it? So it's David uh, – how do you say the name? Mugaletta or – Oh, motherfucker. So he's the power agent right now. He hits, I think, yep. seven of the top 11 picks. He yeah. He has Jalen Ramsey. So I think this is just them. Isn't well 
I don't think Davis is in the position. I don't even think there's a question of him doing it. Yeah. I think they're just. I don't. The only thing I, I think that he's just making the statement of, yeah. I would like a new contract. I'm going to make this statement this week when nothing matters. And then we can move forward from there. The, the agent is one of the best agents in the league and, and he's not stupid. He, he knows how many, they know Dwayne Brown's contract is probably more important right to them right now than Quandre Diggs is because he's literally held out all camp. And so, uh, I, and now not player wise, cause you know, I'm a big fan of Quandre Diggs, but um, I, I just think it's just a statement. This is my statement. I'm making the statement that, you know, I want a new contract and then week one, he'll be right there. I will add one thing. He craps all over Tyler Lockett on Twitter constantly. I think we should pay him for that reason alone. It's worth it. <laughs> I love that. He does. Have you guys seen his tweets? Yeah, he does. Uh, yeah, he's, he's, he's the best tweeter on the Seahawks. So funny. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Um, so speaking of safeties, Seahawks, uh, Quandre Diggs, Jamal Adams, and let's throw in a third of Ryan Neal as like kind of the trio there. You've also got Marquise Blair as an option. Cardinals are Jalen Thompson, Buda Baker, um, and Deontay Thompson. Uh, Rams are Taylor Rapp, Jordan Fuller, and I don't know, I think Nick Scott is probably their third. And then the 49ers are Jaquiski Tart, best name in NFL, or one of the best names. I love that name. Jimmy Ward, and then Tavon Wilson. Um, where do you, so I'll go first on this one. Um, to me, the Seahawks are far and away. Like they, they are clearly number one to me as far as safeties go. I think the, the Cardinals are two. I think uh, the Rams are three, and the 49ers are four, although I could flop those. So, this is, this is, I think, one of the strengths of the Seahawks uh, roster. Anybody have significantly different rankings there? Uh, not really. I, I have flipped the bottom two, but I, I, think, I don't think the Seahawks just have the best safety group in the division. I think they have the best safety group in the league. So mm-hmm. they're a massive step up to anyone other than Buda Baker here. I've got to ask. Okay, so it sounds like you guys are generally in agreement. There's one more we'll do, and then we'll, we'll move on to other business. But uh, receivers, this one is an interesting one to me. So let's let's talk about, we know the Seahawks. you got DK Metcalf. You've got Tyler Lockett. And let's call D. Eskridge the third, okay? Um, for the 49ers, you got Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, and let's say either Mohamed Sanu or Trent Sherfield. Um, we'll see how that ends up going out. The Rams have Robert Woods, Cooper Cup, and Deshaun Jackson, if for people forgot that he was added. Um, and the Cardinals have A.J. Green, DeAndre Hopkins, and Christian Kirk. Um, they got more. Too. By the way, the Rams have Van Jefferson as well. Yeah, I don't even know if Christian Kirk's going to play. They took Rondell Moore ahead of Eskridge, who a lot of people thought the Seahawks were going to take. So where do you guys rank? Like, how do you guys rank these – receiver groups like uh jeff maybe you go first i think top to bottom the rams have the best one because they go five or six deep they go woods cup sean jackson who's a wild card team we don't know he's played like four games the last two years they also have van jefferson who was a second or third round pick last year and tutu atwell who went right after eskridge similar kind of prospect so they're five deep at the position i would put the seahawks two because I'm higher on Eskridge, I think, than you guys are. I like them coming out of college, and we're already starting to see that he's flashing. But the whole group is contingent. The Seahawks have the top two that are just so much better than everyone else in the division. But 
one gets injured and Eskridge isn't ready or isn't good, then boy, it gets scary. Because I think it's going to turn out where it's going to be Freddie Swain four and then Penny Hart five. And that's that's probably and maybe Kate Johnson six. That's the receiver. So I would put Arizona three because they, they have Hopkins. But they don't have that proven number two yet. But they're deep. They're four or five deep. And they could jump Seattle in terms of depth. And then the Niners, well, I would say, are just a worse, much worse version of the Seattle group because they have essentially two guys and then filler. So I would put them last. And I really like their top two guys. God, that's hard to think about the 49ers. I love Debo Samuel. And I love you too, yeah. I think those are two of the best young receivers in football and um, really, really like that duo. So hard for me to put them last, but hard to put them over a team with DeAndre Hopkins, you know. Um, AJ Green. AJ Green. AJ Green's old. I mean, he is, but they also have Rondell Moore, Christian Kirk. I, 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 I got to say for me, I put Arizona fourth, like AJ green, it, he could be great, but I don't know that we, he could be nothing like mediocre as well. Those guys you're talking about. I don't know. I, I, are they, none of them are Debo Samuel or Brandon. Ayuk. none of them. No. And so I think it's DeAndre Hopkins and a bunch of, okay. Like for, so who do you have? Who do you have one? I think I, I would take the Seahawks top three over any you're talking depth one through four or five. I'm talking yeah. about like who is the best receiving group. And, and I think that's interesting because you seem the most worried about our receiving group, but yet you have. Well, because I think one. there's been such a, there's been such a cliff after two. Right. And yeah. we haven't been able yeah, to. I think that script will be fine. Well, assuming well, we didn't know that, right. He had toes, yeah. and, you know, like it wasn't looking good. So, um, yeah, I, I I do think I would take I would take the Seahawks group there. Um, but yeah, if we're talking about full depth, it would be a different answer. I'm just talking about like the guys that I think are going to get meaningful snaps. Um, and the Rams, you're right. I so yeah, I might go Seattle Rams, 49ers, Cardinals. Um, but I, I understand why why you see it differently. I mean, Evan and Dana, where do you rank the Seahawks in that group? You don't have to go the whole four if you're not interested, but. Yeah, I mean, I, I'll, I'll just take this one first, Dana. I think I think the Rams are up top. I, the, the Jeff makes a great point. The problem is Seattle has an elite top two receivers, but after that, everybody is question marks. And that includes Eskridge. Let's be honest for now. Uh, he may prove to be worthy of the hype and his you know, draft status, but. If DK or Lockett goes down, that group looks rough right off the bat. So I, I think they have poor depth relative to the rest of the position, but I still think their top two are the best in the in in the division. So probably Seattle at second behind the Rams, I think makes sense. Dana, any any well I I agree with you, especially about the Cardinals. It feels like they have DeAndre Hopkins. And then guys who can pull the double team off him, right? Like that's like that's kind of their depth. You always know where Kyler Murray is going to go. And with San Francisco, it, it their receiving group might be really good. I really like Ayuk too. I like him a lot. Uh, but who's throwing that damn ball, right? And I know that that's not the position group we're talking about. But seriously, that's going to affect you know how they play. Um, I I think that I think that the Rams and the Seahawks are definitely in the top. I I really think DK. Metcalf is 
high enough above other people to pull Seattle up to the top level on that one. But you're right. One injury, we're cooked at that point. Well, that, that's that's the thing. And I know people are like, they're hopping on me about being on two sides of this. I'll try to be as clear as I can. What I haven't liked is the way that we've assembled the roster at the receiver position. There's no question DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett are like, if not the best duo in football, they are right up near the top. Mm-hmm. So like, there's no question about those two. And that that's where 80, 85% of the targets are going to go. So I'm talking about them as like blue chip, blue chip quality. Mm-hmm. And then three, Eskridge looks like, you know, there's every reason to hope that he's really good. Now it's sounding like he's healthy. So I'm assuming that those three are going to be the ones that are your receivers and everyone else is going to be getting scraps. And so that's really what I'm looking at. Jeff was talking, I think, more about full depth. And if you're talking full depth, I probably mm-hmm. would have different rankings. I, I probably might might be more similar to Jeff's. But um, I still don't like the Seahawks have gone about that receiver mm-hmm. spot. I, I'm, I, I don't like the depth at that position. I think it's looked pretty crappy all preseason. And uh, so – Anyway, don't know that that helps clear things up, but but that's where there's some differences. Um, so interesting. I mean, I, I think there's there's the, the fact that the, that the Seahawks defensive line is something we like so much and is so far down is an interesting one. Um, I would not do cornerbacks because I just think it's clear where we're going to end up there. <laughs> Please don't. Oh, my gosh. So we will get into the prediction show next week. For folks that haven't joined us for that before, we go through, we will have filled out an entire spreadsheet of predictions um, saying, you know, anything from how many field goals Jason Myers is going to miss to, uh, you know, how many yards um, – DK Metcalf is going to have receiving. So we'll, we'll go over that next week as well as our schedule predictions as well. One more topic that's on my mind. I got to throw it out there. And if you guys have other stuff, we can talk about it. I was listening to the Shane Waldron interview again, uh, his la- latest press conference, I think from today. I'm worried about him guys. I'm like flat out concerned about him and from the very first press conference, my impression of him is this guy is not a dynamic personality. This I'm not, I'm not sure about him as a leader. This guy, his answers to the question don't have a lot of depth. I have questions about like, how smart is this guy? How well is he going to be able to play chess against opposing defensive coordinators? I'm, I'm like, I haven't seen enough of the offense to be able to say one way or the other. But I'm, I'm concerned. It, it, like, there's no way that I can justify it other than what I'm seeing. But my, my assessment of him, it's, it's similar to watching Ken Norton press conferences where I'm just like, this guy doesn't impress me. Um, he just, he thinks, you know, anyway. So I don't know if any of you guys, or how are you guys feeling about Shane Waldron? I know we don't have much to go on. But of what we have, how are you guys feeling about it? Um, Dana, let's maybe start with you. Well, I, I, I agreed that he was kind of blah, but, you know, some coaches are, right? And so I wasn't too worried about it until, until I read the, athlete, or the athletic article today about today's practice. I don't know if you guys read that. <clears throat> it, it wasn't good for the offense. <laughs> let's put it that way. He briefed so, us. So basically he said, you know, and it, I, I, I give all and 100% credit, of course, to, to Michael Sean, Doug 
skirt for this, but um, anyway, so apparently it says that the offensive coordinator, Shane Waldron made some nice adjustments. That's what he said. But then he lists all the plays in a row that the starting defense completely got the better of the offense. Every single play over and over and over again. And then when Geno Smith came on, then he started tacking away and getting some nicer plays. I, I was real worried. It was incompletion, a sack. Um, it says they stopped him on third down, um, forced another incompletion. I, I was like, where's the nice adjustment? Like I couldn't find it in there. And I was starting to get a little bit worried. Um, and then they were talking about, yeah, he threw a red zone touchdown. Smith threw a red zone touchdown to Penny Hart during 11 on 11. But then the next pass was batted down. Like it just didn't sound good. Right. And then he started telling us about all the fights that happened in practice today, which I think we should talk about in a little bit. But um, so I, I, today I was like, when are we going to start seeing this amazing offensive mind that Russell and Pete were just gushing about before camp? Like, when do we get to see that? Do we not get to see it until week one? And I get it. They're going to hide all that stuff, but they're not seeing it in practice either. And that makes me real nervous. Evan. I don't know, guys. I'm, (sighs) I can't believe I have to do this, but guys, let's wait for a regular season snap with these with these guys um i'm gonna spell some optimism into your souls uh Wayne brown isn't yeah. isn't playing um guys we're talking about practice 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 yes we're but talking about we're offense. talking about practice mm-hmm. practice 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 let's give it a couple of games i'm not i'm not now, what I will acknowledge is there sure is a hell is a hell of a lot of pressure on Shane Waldron this year. And uh, there's going to be a lot of pressure on him to deliver and move this offense, you know, forward from the stagnation that we really saw over the past couple of years. And ultimately, he's going to have to impress because expectations are high. And frankly, I don't think it's an overreaction to say this team's playoff potential super bowl potential really rests on his shoulders i really believe that so that's exactly that's that's so 100% agree that you can't come to any conclusion about whether the offense is going to be good or anything based off of what we've seen not not even making that claim but the point you just made about the fact that the really the whole season rests on his shoulders in a mm-hmm. lot of ways like yeah. The team last year, by the end of the year, the defense was playing pretty well. Russell was playing not well at all. The offense had no counter moves for what the defenses were doing to them. And they were just stuck. It was absolutely a chess game. And the Seahawks were playing with like a mental midget. And, and I don't think Ryan Schottenheimer is actually a, not smart. I just don't think he was able to take what was in his head and convey it in a way that worked um with his his offense so now we're really relying on this guy shane waldron and and one of the things you know people can laugh it off as they want but like i i do trust my assessment of how people lead and how people come across and you know their general eq and iq and shane waldron has just not been impressive like he hasn't said a single thing that was insightful so far like 
And, it, and I, I think you're way out with Ken Norton. At least with Ken Norton, you know that he's trying to keep things veiled. He thinks he's being clever by his answers, and it's just ridiculous. Waldron just seems like simple. What, I don't know. That, have right? you seen the Money Heist on Netflix? Yes. What if What if Shane Waldron is just that professor guy, just like in the back, just yeah. a straight nerd, like five, I think, I think five moves ahead. <laughs> I'm gonna come in. I'm gonna, I'll I'll give my opinion on this because I do agree, and I've said this. I think no one. The way I would say what Evan was trying to say, I would say no one impacts the ceiling of this team more than Walter. I don't think he's the most important person. That's clearly Russell. But I think no one, based on what the roster is, where we see the deficiencies, and they didn't really add a lot of impact players. So I think the one thing that can change their ceiling is having a great new offensive coordinator. But I don't think you can judge anything on a, on a press conference. The two, two of the best offensive coordinators I've ever seen in the NFL, Gary Kubiak and Norv Turner, you ever heard them talk? They are two of the most dull, boring people. Offensive coordinator is not the thing to judge at a press conference on. That's a head coach. Offensive coordinator, and it seems like Waldron, and I'm not saying there's anything to come out of this, it seems like he's almost being strategic in how boring he is. And remember, his first job was with Bill Belichick. I, I hope you guys are right. No, I'm not saying, right. I'm not I, I saying you're wrong. Really, I completely disagree with you guys on this, I, I, in the oh, sense I, I like, that, I mean, I North, know, Turner, I, North Turner absolutely, uh, you know, was boring, but he absolutely you could hear insights into how offense works you could hear his expertise i don't know listen to his chargers press conference they would put you to sleep yeah i i just like uh, jason garrett could come off well in a press conference like i don't know <laughs> jason garrett's a perfect example of uh like daryl bevel daryl bevel had the worst press conference he was a functional i mean let me, can, okay, let me phrase a question to you guys, and, and then we can hopefully dive into some Patreon questions before the end of this. But the question I have is this. Do you see the Seahawks making a deep playoff run without Shane Waldron having an exceptional season this year? Anything less than ex- an exceptional, exceptional season from him? No. 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 I mean, yeah. That, no, that says it just, all. Yeah. That says it all. Like yeah. this team is not making a run. As much as I hate to say this, like they're not making a run unless Shane Waldron shows up this year. Yeah, because their defense is middle of the pack. The, the really offense is going to be covering a lot, a lot of flaws. For them to be, yeah, for them to make the Super Bowl, Russell has to play like he did in the first half last year. Or they have to have an offense that unlocks whatever they couldn't find in the second half. And there's only one person that dictates that. Yeah. It's, uh, there's just a lot writing on this year. Like, I know we don't like to talk about it, but like, I I really do think like Russell's future is contingent a lot on what happens this year. Um, I think there's just massive implications of this year. Yeah. I almost think how it happens too. Like, if it's the offense and they just fold back into what they did last year and they totally like if, if Waldron's just a pawn with no control and it's just people again, I think that's going to impact Russell's future here. Cause I think him being the McVay offense is what attracted him to him in the first place. Uh, Evan, you is said that the mistake? Oh, questions? Sorry. I'm sorry. What was that? 
Evan, you did say we had Patreon questions. I didn't. We had a ton. Nathan is on top of it. Dude, I had no idea. All right. Well, let's let's go to the Patreon questions. And while you're pulling them up, um, for folks that haven't already, uh, please click like, click the thumbs up on the the video, click subscribe on the channel and uh, the little bell to get notified when we go live. And go over to patreon.com slash hawkblogger, join, and then you'll get immediate access to our Slack channel where we um, pull for questions every week. And, you know, as you know, proceeds go to charity. So it's a great time to join. We're about to get into the season and uh, come on over to, to patreon.com slash hawkblogger. Evan, first question. Yeah, Brian, I'm actually going to give this one to you. So Seattle has about 13 million in cap space right now. Deduct a couple million. If you're thinking true cap space, what position? So I'm going to modify this question slightly. What position would you hope or use that cap space on? Um, Yeah, center, cornerback, linebacker or wide receiver? Uh, Corner. I mean, I think that's that's a clear one. Uh, I'd love it to be, you know, there would be a center option but I don't think you can really swap centers as easily. And uh, yeah, receiver would be second to corner. Dana, when Chris Carson inevitably misses time this season, would you rather have DJ Dallas or Rashad Penny starting in his place? I, I know he's not your favorite, but I've been really impressed with Dallas. I, I think that he is making that jump, uh, that second year jump. I, I mean, Wait, why is not he not saying- my favorite? Oh, I thought that you guys said you didn't like him all that much. No, Travis Homer. The discourse around Travis Homer. No, I know no one likes Travis Homer. Uh, There's some people who do. There's certain people who do. Yeah, well, Pete Carroll's not. We're not talking about Pete today, but no, Um, no. I really think that, and it's nothing against Rashad Penny, but Rashad Penny can't stay healthy either. And it it seems like Dallas was the one that managed to do it. So um, I'm kind of, I'm ready for something different there. So I'm hoping he makes a good job. Um. Jeff, do we see any of the new offense on Saturday or are we just sitting the entire starting offense until week one? Um, I think Pete's been so frustrated with what he's watched out of the third string players. I think he's going to make some of the starters play. I think most of the offensive line will play with the exception of the left tackle. And I think you'll see a bit of Russell, DK, Lockett, and Gerald Everett, but not much. It'll be one or two series. This next question is really good. What cornerback, and Brian, I'm going to give you this one. What cornerback do you want the Seahawks to go after before the start of the season that isn't named Richard Sherman? Um, I'll stick with the Henderson guy in Jacksonville. I haven't spent enough time really diving in there. I think it would be great to get like a a Gilmore, but I just don't know that he's really available. And um, I think they need someone like that, to be totally honest. I think anyone but a Richard Sherman or a Gilmore, someone at that level, and you're really just hoping. You, you, even Henderson has not shown to be a great corner at this point. So even though he's a first round pick. So yeah, I actually plan to spend a little time looking at rosters and hope that there's a team that's stacked with cornerbacks because uh, oof. yeah, it's tough. And the free agent market in cornerbacks is not great outside of Sherman either. It's a kind of a mess. The next question is so good. Who makes the playoffs next? The Mariners or the Seahawks? Oh, <laughs> it's tougher than you think. <laughs> because I'm all they're in on the M's, man. The M's have been so much fun this year. Yeah. All right, Brian, your M's, Jeff, Dana. 
Seahawks. Okay. Seahawks. I. Well, Jake. no, wait, hold on. I got to jump in with one thing here, Evan. Like, you're, you're not a baseball fan, so it's hard to ask you. Like, would you rather have been an, a Mariners fan for the last 20 years or a Seahawks fan? Obviously a Seahawks fan. Dude, you talk all the time about how shitty it is to be a Seahawks fan <laughs> and how much it's easier to be a Lions fan. It's the same freaking thing. We're not going to get into this, Brian. We're not going to get into this, Brian. It is the gap. It is the distance. It is the gap from production and results and and, and expectations. Yeah, we're getting into this later. Nothing's worse. (laughs) Nothing in sports is worse than being irrelevant. All right. We're going to talk. Period. Period. End of sentence. You assholes. Uh, Jason (laughs) asks, are we back on the Jason Myers train after he carried the offense on Saturday? Jason, the train never stopped. Seattle's best offensive player is going to continue and be flawless this year. Um, Does Belor playing linebacker mean we can carry an extra running back or does that extra spot go somewhere else? I'll give that one to you, Jeff. I do think they can carry an extra running back and it gives them flexibility that they don't have to scour the waiver wire or there's a lot of questions about KJ, right? I don't think he's going to come back and be a backup. So I do think now that you can have Penny, Dallas, and Collins potentially, and even Homer maybe make the team because Bullard can play both ways. Brian, uh, who is your top option to replace Diggs if he holds out? Marquise Blair. Um, I think the other might be Ugo Amadi. Um, Blair doesn't really profile as a free safety that way, but uh, yeah, I think Blair would be the next person to step in and that would let Amadi play nickel. That I believe is the end of it. We had several duplicate questions, but we had a lot of questions this week. That was good. Cool. 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 Um, all right. Was there something else that we were needing to talk about that I've, I've forgotten? I feel like there's been so much. Oh, I do want to ask really quickly a 49ers question. Um, did any of you guys see the latest, uh, the Jimmy and Trey performance this weekend? I, I did not, but fill me in, please. Okay. Jeff, I see you nodding vigorously. What was your take uh, on that, uh, on their performances? And if you were San Francisco, who would you start uh, week one? Um, so Trey Lyons had a serious up and down game. If you watched him in the first quarter he played, like Niners fans were talking about him like he was a bust. Like I think he was like one for six. Uh, there was a lot of Justin Fields tweets going on. And then the, the worst second stringers or the third stringers came in and Lance started getting comfortable. They ran a couple plays to loosen him up and he lit them up from there and he threw two touchdowns. So it was a really up and down performance. And based on whether you watched him in like the first quarter or the second quarter, you'd have a radically different opinion, but he doesn't look ready to me. Um, if you remember, he only played one game in 2020 because of the, co- the college he was in. And he basically hasn't played football in a long time. And this is the most complicated offense probably in the NFL. So Jimmy Garoppolo, I think we all know what he is. And I think the team knows what his ceiling is. And the Niners, their schedule gets really light in the second half. So I think they're going to open the year with Jimmy G and then transition to Lance once the schedule gets easier. But if I'm them, I'd probably play Lance. I don't see the point of playing Jimmy G. I, I, I would move forward with the future. I just want to say something. Yeah. If Mac Jones ends up being good and Trey Lance ends up being bad, 
I will never, I will never stop shitting <laughs> on the 49er fans. That would actually be amazing. <laughs> I will never stop shitting on them. And Max looks good this weekend. Max, I, think Max good start. I think Max is going to be day He looks real good this weekend. Um, I, I, I want to throw something in here if I can. I, Jimmy Garoppolo is going to start the season, and I wouldn't be surprised at all if he can stay healthy that he doesn't finish the season. I think that Lance has proven himself to really need a full year in the NFL offense and the NFL world to understand it. Um, the kid's got a gun for an arm, but at the same time, there's not a ton of accuracy there. And so I think that he just needs that time to get back into the football way of thinking at this level. And as long as Jimmy Garoppolo can keep them in games and win some, I think that they'll probably just let Lance it for a year. Not that he'll be learning much from Jimmy. Evan, but. you don't have to just wait for Mac Jones. There's also Justin Fields. Uh, there's there's already 49 Guys, I am on record. Out. I am on record pre-draft saying I truly believe Justin Fields is going to be the best quarterback from this class. I cannot believe he fell to the Bears. It's insane to me. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's, uh, it's fascinating. I, I, you've seen 49ers fans at each other's throats on this topic. Mm-hmm. Like, really, like, tearing each other apart in a way that I normally don't see it, and it's awesome. Uh, you don't see it in their stance? <laughs> not yet. Not Ooh. yet. Okay. Uh, normally, nice. yes, but, but not yet. So, um, I, I think, I think, yeah, I think, I think they'll start Jimmy Garoppolo, but, um, uh, the only other divisional news we should talk about, cause it did happen today is, is the Rams trading for Sony Michelle. Um, uh, you know, he's a, to me, he's just a, uh, an average running back. I, I don't think there's a lot super special about him, but I think the Rams running back room is in trouble. It's really, really tough. A cam Akers is out with an injury. So they're down to Daryl Henderson, who I think has also been injured and that forced them to make this mood traded, but basically will end up being a fourth round pick for, for one year of Sony Michelle. Um, is anybody like bullish on this for the Rams, you know, that where you think like Sony Michelle's going to make them significantly better. So I have a good friend named Derek who um, we talk on Twitter. He's a, he, he's a Rams fan. And so we'd like to give each other a lot of shit, but he's, he's, a very logical Rams fan. And uh, when I asked him, I'm like, you know, how, how do you feel about this? He's like, mm, I want a cam makers. You know, I think that they get what the point of the trade was, you know, the, the logical fans that, you know, he's serviceable. He'll do his job. He's not going to change that room a ton, but just give them a little more depth at it. So. Yeah. Anyone else have any Sony Michelle takes before we start wrapping? We have oh. to talk about Luke Wilson. You cannot just ignore this. Yes. What about Mike Coleman? Like he's like, no, I don't want to. For less than 24 hours. Yes. I I just want to recognize um, the retirement of the greatest tight end in Seahawks history, Luke Wilson. Thank you for your contributions. You were the fiercest weapon we ever had at tight end. He's only half joking, folks. You should have seen our chat when Luke Wilson signed. We were excited. We were practically doing like, chest bumps from across oh yeah oh my god i love luke wilson so excited he's so underrated i i literally said last year the seahawks should bring in luke wilson and you guys all laughed at me and told me Mm -hmm. he was like 44 years old like (laughs) 
Yeah, I stand by that take. <laughs> what? Every other team, every other team has like a like a, a board on their room of like all the tight ends available if someone gets injured. The Seahawks only have Luke Wilson on that. But right. so anytime there's an injury, it's like, well, we can call him again. Well, listen, here here's the way I look at Luke Wilson. You know, he <laughs> He was the second hero next to, of course, John Ryan in that NFC championship game, catching that fantastic two-point conversion. And so we will love him forever for that. But here's the thing with Luke Wilson. He's likable. He's fun. He brought some, you know, light to this team. And, you know, and I mean, lightness as in levity and fun, the techno Thursday, whatever it was. And, you know, Pete Carroll even recognized that today. The, The thing with Luke Wilson is he can do his job. But he's also a hell of a lot of fun to have around. And I think that that was a huge part of it. You know, it, it's sad that his health was the reason that he had to retire to, today. And and like I mentioned to you guys, you know, um, it, it, it was a serious heart issue that he needed to watch. And so I'm glad that he's taking his health seriously. But, you know, he made about, I looked it up, he made about $10 million in the league. He's going to retire. He has other stuff he wants to do. Didn't he want to play rugby or something? Like there was something else that he wanted to do too. And I think that he was just a lot of fun. And I think that sometimes this, Pete Carroll tries to be the real fun one, but honestly, this team gets real heavy sometimes. And I think that they needed that kind of levity in the locker room. So I think he'll be missed there. Whether anyone else cares or not, Evan and I are bummed. bummed. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. I love Luke Wilson for all the reasons you guys love Luke Wilson, (laughs) but it's hardly Seahawks news. He he barely made it through a practice. Although... Nobody made a bigger impact in a single practice than Luke Wilson and his shorts. I mean, that was the the talk of Seahawks Twitter all last night. Uh, I got tweets about whether asking whether he should join the thigh squad, real real thigh talk. Uh, oh no! Tonight. So, Is that a yeah. thing? Short shorts are elite. Let's be honest. Like long shorts are not in. Like no, no. only I, people who like order and wear full zip jackets. Like Brian actually wear them. Oh shorts. yes, you are so fortunate that I'm not wearing short shorts ever. So like, just consider yourself. <laughs> Me <like>. too. <laughs> uh, all right, that I think that we're gonna wrap on that amazing note. Uh, again, if you haven't already, please click the like button. Um, please go ahead and click subscribe. Click the bell to get notified when we go live. And go over to Patreon.com/slash/HawkBlogger to join the community. Get immediate access to our Slack channel. There's even Ring of Honor spots still open and you can get in there and have dinner with us in person, hopefully, (laughs) Uh, and uh, a lot of other cool stuff. So looking forward to going to the game. My first time in Lumen Field in over a year. I'm going to actually see real Seahawks football to some extent for some period of time, and it's going to be great. And so we will talk to you all after that. Next week will be our prediction show. You do not want to miss our prediction show. We were almost all of us, you know, a significant number of us nailed the record exactly last year. And there was Didn't I have us- something insane last year. Like there was like some defensive yardage thing I picked or something. Oh yeah. You had some crazy predictions. We can go back and look. Uh, you barely won the most predictions that were ah. accurate. I, I was I was right behind you. Sounds like I'm um, the true expert here. I, I think that we all know that that's true. So um, I also know that you went in and modified some of my predictions. That is not true. I did not. <laughs> oh, your your predictions. Oh, yes, yes. I did do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
All right, folks, uh, have a great rest of your evening and uh, we will talk to you next week. Go Hawks.